by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. If you would have asked me 15 to 20 years ago, what is the number one thing that people are struggling with today? What is the number one problem that, that people have? I would have said 15 to 20 years ago, number one on that list would be, how can I know that I'm saved? Because it seems like that's what the question was, how can I know for sure that I'm saved? And the second question, the second thing people were struggling with was simply this, how can I know God's will for my life? Now, those are still the two most important issues out there, knowing that we're saved and knowing what God wants us to do. But if you were to ask me today, John, in your opinion, what is the number one problem that people have? What is the number one thing that people seem to be struggling with today? I believe, in fact, I'm totally convinced that the number one problem today is holding a grudge against somebody else. In other words, the thing that seems to be eating people's lunch, keeping people up at night, and on people's mind more than anything else is holding a grudge against somebody else. And it seems like, at least my observation is, the closer you are to another person, the more likely that person is to offend you, to hurt your feelings, to do something that kind of rubs you the wrong way. And as a result, you, are tend, uh, you could tend to hold a grudge against that person. I read a little story yesterday that I thought was pretty good, and I wrote it down. I want to read it to you today. A lawyer was reading out the will of a rich man to the people mentioned in the will. He began with these words. To you, my loving wife Rose, who stood by me in tough times as well as good, I leave the house and $2 million. The lawyer concluded, to my daughter Jessica, who looked after me in sickness and kept the business going, I leave to you the yacht, the business, and $1 million. The lawyer concluded, and to my cousin Dan, who hated me, argued with me, and thought that I would never mention him in my will, well, you're wrong. Hi, Dan. So I think sometimes the people that we're the closest to, uh, we tend to hold the biggest grudge against. And so that rich man went to his grave holding a grudge against his cousin Dan because Dan had not been very nice to him. I was reading from an, uh, from an article by the NeuroCare Brain Performance Centers. This is an article that was updated in May of last year. And here's what it said, and I want you as I read this today to think about, in fact, if you're holding a grudge against somebody, you don't have to think about it because you already know it. You were thinking about it before I stood up here, but you're certainly thinking about it now. Here's what this study said. We've all been wronged at some point in our lives, from family to friends, spouses to coworkers. We interact with different personality types on a daily basis. Disagreements and misunderstandings are bound to occur. But sometimes those conflicts hit a nerve and are just too difficult to let go. How many of you have ever had your nerve hit? Would you just raise your hand? Had a nerve hit? How many of you was a person sitting next to you that hit your nerve? Don't say that. You get in trouble today. That's when it becomes all too easy to decide to develop a grudge. You know, where somebody has struck a nerve, man, they've done something, and now 
you've got a grudge going on. Grudges play an interesting role in our psyches. Sometimes we can't let go of our hurt feelings even though we want to. And other times we're just not ready to let go. Either way, holding on to a grudge feels like a mental consolation prize. You were wronged, and so now you get the grudge. It may sound a little backwards, but it's true. Holding a grudge is a way for us to subconsciously seek compassion and empathy as a means to compensate for the negative feelings we experienced in the past which is why it can be so hard to let go of grudges. And it is hard sometimes. Holding on to hurt and anger may generate some uh, comforting sympathy in the moment, but grudges don't fix the root problem. They don't help us to heal. And so what I want to talk to you today is about how to let go of a grudge that you may be holding. Maybe it's something that happened a long time ago. Maybe it's something that happened last week, but it has offended you, it has rubbed you the wrong way, and as a result, you're holding a grudge. Now, let me give you a simple definition of what I'm, uh, how I'm describing what it means to hold a grudge. It simply means this, choosing to replay in your mind something that someone said or did that hurt you in some way. And so when, we're, when we begin just to replay this over and over and over again, maybe we, we replay what they said or we see, we re-see what they did and we think, how dare they? I, can't, I thought they were my friend. I can't believe they would have stabbed me in, in the back like that or said something like that against me. I read an article from Piedmont Healthcare, which I found very interesting, and it said when we do that, when we hold on to that grudge, one of the things it does, it tenses up our body. It causes us to be in a more stressful condition. In fact, it puts us in a chronic state of tension and stress, and it increases the stress hormone cortisol. Now, if you know anything about that particular hormone, you know that when your cortisol levels are high, there can be all kind of negative things that can happen uh, in your mind, in your body, in your psyche, in your emotions, in how you feel. And so that, that's, the, that's the hormone that we have when we get in one of those fight or flight situations. Our, our ancestors used to have that, of course. And back in their day, before all the modern technology and stuff, it was a survival thing that God had given. And so if a person was in a dangerous situation, their cortisol, they would get stressed out and tense if an animal, for example, was coming after them or if they were in, their life was in danger. So their stress levels would increase. And that increased stress level was intended to prompt action of some kind, either to fight or to run. Well, in the world in which we live in today, it would be unusual for a wild bear or some animal to attack us, and yet we still have the same uh, cortisol that they had. And so sometimes today, our stress and tension become so chronic and so constant that our fight or flight instinct is up and yet we don't have anything to do with it. And so it can have all kind of negative, what it does to our veins and arteries, what it does to our blood pressure, what it does to our mind, when those to our brain even, when those hormones are released. It just makes us feel horrible. It stresses us out. Forgiveness, on the other hand, has the opposite effect. When you forgive somebody who has wronged you, they've said something against you, they've, maybe you're in a business deal or a political deal and they turned against you and you've been offended. Naturally, you've been hurt. 
And so you're kind of holding a grudge against that person. You don't want to, but you are. And you're replaying that over and over in your mind. Well, if you choose to forgive that person and to release, to let it go, okay, what that's going to do, it's going to release a different hormone called serotonin. And serotonin is the hormone that is known as the feel-good hormone. In other words, when you exercise, serotonin is released. So normally you feel better after you exercise than you do while you're exercising. Well, when you forgive somebody, when you, when, you let, when you just let that go, when you choose not to hold that grudge, that serotonin hormone is released and you feel better. You feel relaxed. Your mind is clear. Your stomach's not upset. You're, you, just feel, you just feel much better. And so today, what I want us to think about is how we can lower that stress hormone cortisol how we can increase that feel-good hormone serotonin. And so hopefully in this next half hour or so, we can learn how to feel better and how to make ourselves more happy by letting the person off the hook who has hurt us in some way. And so if you'll open your Bible this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 7, I want us to begin there. And what I want to do in this message is give you four steps that you can take to uh, let that grudge go, to release that, to forgive that person so that you don't wake up tomorrow morning with the same thing on your mind or the same person on your mind that you may have woken up with this morning. Tomorrow morning, I want you just to wake up light and free and happy and, uh, and just very relaxed. And so four steps that we can take because all of us, folks, hey, we live in a real world. We're human. We're imperfect. So is everybody else. It is only natural. That, uh, that we're going to rub each other the wrong way and be rude and say things. And, and we have to learn how to deal with that. And so as I've prepared this message, I've tried to do it very thoughtfully and very compassionately. And I don't want to just come up here today and very flippantly say, well, if somebody has hurt you, just forgive them and move on. Because I don't think it's that simple. I think there's a process that we have to go through. And if we'll go through that process, then ultimately we can forgive the person who has hurt us. Number one, the first step that I think is so very important in letting go of that grudge is to lower your expectations. Lower your expectations. In other words, we tend to expect of others what we would not want them to expect of us. In our relationships with others, we expect them to be kind to us, to be considerate, to be careful with their words, to build us up, and we're really expecting them to do more than, than they're probably capable of doing. Now, in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 12, Jesus gives what is known as the golden rule. And we read about it here and in Luke chapter 6, but this will be fine in Matthew 7, verse 12. Jesus said, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And so Jesus is basically saying, do unto others as you want them to do unto you. Now, let me ask you this question. Would you want other people to always expect you to be perfect? Well, of course not. Would you want other people to always expect you to be at your best? Well, absolutely not. Nobody's always at their best. Sometimes we didn't sleep well. Sometimes we don't feel good. Sometimes we have a headache. Uh, and sometimes we're upset or stressed out or worried about something. So we're not always at our best. And when we're not at our best, we're not as kind, as thoughtful, as guarded and careful with our words, maybe, as we normally would be. So we're probably hurting other people's feelings. Well, the same is true of them. They're not going to always be at their best either. And so 
Just lower your expectations and don't expect somebody to always be perfect. In my life, I have Jesus on a pedestal, the highest possible pedestal. All right. Now, I have other people in my life that are on pedestals, but their pedestals are not as high as Jesus because I know that Jesus is the only one who's going to be perfect. And so even people that I do have up on a pedestal that I do deeply admire and respect, I have to remind myself, even those people are not on the same pedestal that Jesus is on. And so I can't expect them to always do what's right or to always say what's kind or to always be thoughtful. So we just have to, first of all, lower our expectations of other people and don't expect them to be perfect because they're not. Second thing I would say, and I think this is very important, and I think many times we as Christians just completely skip over this step when we're talking to somebody who's struggling with bitterness or unforgiveness or they're holding a grudge, but I think it's so very important. Let yourself be human. Let yourself be human. In other words, when God made us, He gave us emotions. He gave us feelings. Sometimes our feelings get hurt. And so I think it's unrealistic. I think it's not natural to expect that we would never have our feelings hurt. And so let yourself be human. Even God has feelings. Did you know sometimes God gets His feelings hurt? I was thinking about this while I was preparing this message. Listen to some examples. I could have given many more. But in Genesis chapter 6, in verse 6, before the flood came on the earth, but as people were living wicked, sinful lives with no thought of God in their daily lives, the Bible says that God, or God said that he was sorry that he had made human beings. He was sorry. And so God was so disappointed in the situation that he himself wished that he had never made human beings. That's how he felt. And so he sent the flood and destroyed everybody except for Noah and his family. When David sinned, it's interesting, we read about David's sin of adultery and murder in 2 Samuel chapter 11, but sometime read the last verse of that chapter because that verse says, the thing David did displeased the Lord. And so God was displeased. So sometimes we're displeased. Sometimes somebody does something or says something, and it hurts us, and we're displeased. Well, that's fine. That's just how God made us. And it would be, to try to fight against that would be silly. Not only that, Jesus experienced sadness. We read that one day he was looking over the city of Jerusalem. He was thinking to himself, I came that these people could be saved, that they could have their sins forgiven, they could have peace with God. And yet, look. They have rejected me. They don't accept me. They're involved in religion, hard religion, and yet their hearts are not right. And the Bible says Jesus wept over Jerusalem. It was their sin that caused Jesus to weep. He had his, he, he, he had his emotions that were very high on this day. On another occasion, Jesus went into the temple, and he saw the money changers in there. They were selling doves and pigeons and and other animals that could be offered for sacrifice. The sin was not that they were selling those animals. I mean, the people had to buy an animal to offer a sacrifice. The sin was they were ripping the people off. They were selling the animals for an elevated price so they themselves could make a lot of money off the people there in the temple. And Jesus became so angry that he went in there and turned the tables upside down, and he made a a whip. And he drove those money changers out of the temple. So Jesus experienced the emotion of anger. I think there's some Christians who, if they'd been living back then, would have said, now, Jesus, you need to get yourself under control. 
Well, Jesus was under control, but he was angry because what they were doing was wrong. And so anger is an emotion that God gave us, and sometimes we experience And what I'm saying is you have to let yourself be human. If you try to short-circuit these emotions and don't let yourself feel what you're naturally feeling, what God made you to feel, you're never really going to deal with this grudge properly. You can't skip any of these steps. And then we read in the book of Ephesians that it is possible even today to grieve the Holy Spirit. That is to hurt the Holy Spirit's feelings. If we sin or do something that we shouldn't do, the Holy Spirit is sensitive like a dove, and he's offended, and he gets his feelings hurt. So think about these emotions that, I, that I've just read. God himself experienced and still experiences today sorrow, being displeased, sadness, anger, having his feelings hurt, being grieved. We're made in the image of God, and so sometimes we're going to uh, have those very same feelings. I'm convinced of this. The only way not to experience some of these feelings that I'm talking about today is just not to care. You just don't, you just don't care. You don't care about people. You don't care about anybody. And so you don't, no, you don't hold any grudges. You just, your, your heart's hard. You just don't care. But if you have a tender heart like God has, that's why Jesus got upset in the temple. He cared. This was his father's house and they were misusing it. And it bothered Jesus. It was righteous indignation. He certainly didn't sin. And we don't sin either just by having those feelings and those emotions. And so when you've, had, when you've been hurt in some way, what I'm saying is, and by the way, you're going to hear very few ministers and very few counselors say what I'm saying here. Most Christian uh, ministers or counselors, they're just going to skip right over this step. And, and, and for example, maybe somebody has hurt you and they've said something rude or done something bad against you. And so you go to a a Christian friend and tell that friend what happened. Clearly you're upset. Clearly you're hurt and uh, you're trying to deal with it. And your Christian friend says to you, well, what you need to do is just let it go. Well, that friend's giving you good advice, but that's bad timing. See, they're giving you good advice. You do need to let it go, but they're not giving you time to process the emotions that God gave you when he made you. And if you don't work yourself through those emotions, you can't let it go. You're going to just, what, you, what that person is saying is stuff your emotions, suppress your emotions, ignore your emotions. Uh, your thoughts are irrational. So you've been hurt. It's all in your mind. You shouldn't have let it happen. Well, that person's well-meaning, but they don't know what they're talking about. They're not, they're not helping you really and truly deal with the problem. For example... After the service today, we finish the sermon, have the invitation, sing the last song, and everybody's going their own way. If you come up to me after the service and you say, John, I just want you to know you're the worst preacher I've ever heard, and I wish you would go back to Georgia. Well, if you say that to me, I'm going to have a hard time saying, thank you, how's your family doing? I mean, if you say that to me, and I feel like you really mean that, that's kind of going to set me back. Well, between services, when I'm back in the office, you know, getting ready for the second service, if I tell that story to my dad and he says, well, you need to just let it go, man. Just water off a duck's back. Don't let it bother you. Well, he's not, he wouldn't say that. And he, he would say, hey, who, who said that? We're going to deal with it. <laughs> We're going to have a church vote and send them to the church down the street, man. We can't have that. But if he were to say to me in that setting, hey, man, grow up, let it go, toughen up. Let it be like water off a duck's back. Well, he's not, that would not help me because I, he would, what he would be saying, or anybody that, that gave me that advice, what they would really be saying is, hey, your feelings don't matter. 
that, that you got your feelings hurt. That doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. And so what I'm saying is we have to process that. We have to work ourselves through it. Now, we shouldn't take 20 years to work ourselves through it. If you say that to me today and I get my feelings hurt and I'm offended and I begin to hold a grudge, well, you know, six months from now, if I'm still holding a grudge, I've not dealt with it right. But I'm saying to expect me to just let that go within 10 seconds of having hurt it, I just don't think that's realistic. And so what we have to do is there is a process and it's okay. You need a spouse or a friend or somebody that you can talk to and say, man, I got to just tell you what happened. And this has hurt my feelings, and I'm beginning to develop a bitter spirit about it. And uh, if it's a true friend, what they'll say to you is, man, I'm just so, I can't believe they said that to you. I can't believe they did. I can't believe that. And you need, it's, it's cathartic for you to get that out, to express what you're feeling, and that's, that's all part of the process of ultimately forgiving that person. So the first thing we want to do to, when it comes to holding grudges, lower the expectations. That'll make you less likely to hold a grudge in the first place. Number two, let yourself be human. You've been hurt. It's normal. It's natural. Don't skip over. Don't suppress your feelings. Well, we're going to have to stop right there today because we're running out of time, but maybe it's not a bad place to start because as you're listening to this message today, maybe you are holding a grudge against somebody. They have done something or failed to do something. They hurt your feelings. And maybe you're even feeling guilty that your feelings got hurt. And hopefully something I said in the message today will encourage you to know that, you know, if your feelings got hurt or even if you got angry, that is an emotion that God gave you and that is perfectly normal. And so that's okay. In fact, that's part of the process of ultimately dealing with this grudge and letting this bitterness and resentment go, just being honest with yourself about how you feel. And so, as we'll see uh, more in the next message, when we get to the point of forgiving someone for something they've done against us, that doesn't mean that we're excusing their behavior. It doesn't mean that we're minimizing what they did. We're not saying, well, it's no big deal. No, if somebody has hurt you, it is a big deal. But when we get to the point of forgiving, what we're really saying is, you know what, God? You have forgiven me of all my sins. And in your eyes, all of my sins were a big deal. And yet because of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made on that cross and the blood that he shed so that my sins could be forgiven and erased, you have chosen to let me off the hook and you have chosen to forgive me. And so God, since you have forgiven me unconditionally, God, I have no choice but to forgive the person who has sinned against me. And so maybe that's where you are today. And maybe that's why God had you listen to this program, because there's somebody in your life that you need to forgive. And I want to help you do that right now. I think maybe the best way to do that is just in prayer to God. I don't think most of the time that it's good to go to that person and say, I just want you to know I have forgiven you. Because when you say that, it almost puts you in a position of superiority, and it almost makes that person feel like you're looking down on them, and now you're saying, okay, I forgive you for what you did. And you know they may say, well, I didn't do anything wrong. Or what do you mean, you forgive me? I think I should be the one forgiving you. And so unless God leads you to, or maybe unless a person has just asked for forgiveness and you've withheld it, you know, you probably don't need to go and tell somebody you have forgiven them. Now, if they've asked for forgiveness and you have refused that, you would need to go back and say, hey, you asked me to forgive you, and, and I do forgive you. And so that's one thing. But if somebody's just offended you and, and maybe don't even, they don't even know they've offended you, 
Uh, just deal with that in your own heart before the Lord in prayer. And let me help you do that right now. Would you just pray this? Say, Lord Jesus, you know what has happened in this situation. And God, you know how I've been hurt. And God, you know how I've kind of been holding a grudge here. And so, God, I ask you to forgive me for that. But God, right now, as an act of my will, I choose to forgive and release. And you just put that person's name right there. God, I forgive them for what they have done. Freely, I have been forgiven. And freely, I choose to forgive. God, I let them off the hook. I place them in your hands. I ask you to be merciful with them. In Jesus' name, I pray this prayer. Amen. And God bless you, friend, as you make that decision to forgive and live free. We hope that today's message has been a blessing to you. You can find this message and many others on our website, peacebybelieving.org, under the broadcast tab. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.